see how Luke portrays people who have the right attitude in order to receive grace from God. So we're going to look through many verses, and I want you to notice four things that in, in, in these verses about the, their attitude. First is that these people are hungry for the things of God, okay? They're, they have this holy, holy desire and, and thirst and hunger in, you know, very desperation to receive from God. So much so that they're willing to set aside their own dignity or maybe the, the customs of that time, what is proper. And they're, they're willing to really press in whatever it takes to receive from God. So a hunger for the things of God, first thing. Second thing is that they're all their hope and desire of, of things in this world is focused on, on God alone. They don't have like plan B and plan C and plan D. Jesus is plan A, B, C, and D. Okay? Jesus is the, the apple of their eye. They're not distracted by anything else. They have a singular focus on receiving from Jesus. The third thing is that they act in faith. Okay? So not only do they believe that God exists and believe that God is good and God loves them, but they act on it. So it's a faith in action. It's, it's different than just mental assent. Like, yes, two plus two is four, but it doesn't change the way I live. But if I believe that God loves me, God is all-powerful, he can do anything, it changes the way I live. Fourth is that they expected a miracle from God. They were certain that they were going to receive from God. That's why they went to such great lengths to receive from God. They expected a miracle. Okay, these four things. I'm going to go through them quickly, and then I'm going to uh, share, go in, in, in more depth in another, another part of Luke. Luke 18, 35 to 43, the blind beggar. Luke 18. Thirty-five to 43. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So you see this man is desperate to receive from God. He's not looking for like retirement. He doesn't have anything saved up. He's blind and he's a beggar. Okay? He's desperate to receive from God. He's willing to go beyond the bounds of propriety 
People tell, shh, it's not, you know, proper. Do it at the right time. You're too loud. No, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All the more as Jesus is walking away, he shouts all the louder. The, he, he, had, he had faith. He expected a miracle. He expected if he was brought before Jesus, he would receive his sight. The next verse in Luke 8, 40 to 40, 48. So now you guys, this is the, the woman with the issue of blood, the bleeding woman, right? So now you guys know the, 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 the two stories in that song that Pastor Lau likes. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Like the blind man waiting patiently, right? We press in through the crowd. And then suddenly, so let's read uh, Luke 8. Luke 8, 40 to 48. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a name, man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. In the book of Mark, it says that she spent all she had on, on, to try to find a cure, and she suffered under the care of many doctors. And it also says that she thought in her mind that if I can only touch the hem of his robe, I will be healed. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter, the, the forthright one, the blunt one, he says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The Greek word that they translate as healed here is sozo. It's the same word that Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Your faith has sozo you, saved you. It's a physical salvation. It's also a spiritual salvation. In Luke chapter 19, when Jesus goes to Zacchaeus', Zacchaeus house, the little short tax collector, he says, um, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save sozo, that which was lost. Zacchaeus wasn't, didn't have any physical ailment, but he was dead spiritually. He was sick spiritually. Jesus healed him spiritually. Sozo, or salvation from God, is the whole person. It's, it's your physical problems. It's your spiritual problems. Okay? Your faith, he said, your faith, um, yeah. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Luke 5. 17 to 20. 5, 17 to 20. <clears throat> One day as he was teaching, 
Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Wow. Do you guys want the power of the Lord to be present here? We need faith, expectation. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. You can see these, these people, they were desperate to receive from God. They, didn't, they came to the front door. Oh, there's too many people. They went to the back door. Oh, too many people. They went to the kitchen window. No, we can't get in there. We're not giving up. They climbed up to the roof, took off the tiles, made a hole in whatever the roof was made of, and lowered the man down right in front of Jesus. You can see Jesus' church services were quite, quite uh, extraordinary, right? Unordinary. When Jesus saw their faith, he saw something that they did. He saw their faith by their actions. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the Pharisees, well, well you can't forgive sin. And then, okay, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And then he does it. So you, you can see a common theme here, right? It's not only in, in the book of Luke. It's in Acts as well. Who Luke, it's kind of his part two. The, in Acts 5, it says that people from all over Jerusalem, they would bring the sick and demon-possessed and lay them on the roadside so that as Peter walked by, his shadow would fall on them and heal them. Wow. Not only the hem of the robe, not only a handkerchief that got prayed on, not only laying on of hands, but even the shadow. Because they believed that if Peter's shadow fell on them, they would be healed. That belief, that expectation of what God is going to do. Acts 14, the man lame from birth. Paul's preaching. As he's preaching, he sees one man that he had faith to be healed. I don't know how he had faith to be healed. Somehow it was written, faith on his forehead, faith to be healed. This man was lame from birth, never walked in his entire life. Paul said, get up, walk, stand up, walk. And that man got up because he had faith. There was the, the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Brothers and sisters, let it, it's going to start, you know, fill up your mind. Let it trickle down into your heart. Okay? We know God can do these things because the Bible says so. Let it trickle down into your heart to change what you do, to change the way you speak, to change your, when, when you face difficulties in your life, how you respond to them. Don't keep it up here. Don't be a mental Christian, but be someone who walks by faith. You know, it extends even to forgiving. Jesus told his disciples, 
When somebody does something wrong against you, you forgive them seven times, 70, 77 times. They said, Lord, increase our faith because forgiveness requires faith. Trust requires faith. When we have faith that's not just in our head but in our heart, we can do, do things that we wouldn't otherwise do and we can see God move miraculously in our lives. Let's read uh, kind of the opposite example in Luke chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 16 through 30. <clears throat> Luke four sixteen through 30. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zephyrath in the region of Sidon, outside of Israel. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So we can see kind of the, the opposite, right? These people did not have desperation to receive from God. They did not acknowledge their need. They did not have faith. They did not have expectation. They didn't receive from God because of their attitude. And Jesus, he gets up and he reads from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus said, today, today, now, this scripture, this promise is for you 
It's fulfilled right here in your hearing. Jesus proclaims good news for these people. He tells them, God's grace and favor is available to you. He said, this is what I've come to give you right now, to set you free from all the bondages and and ill effects of sin in your life. Spiritual, physical bondages. He came to sozo, to save completely, wholly, to restore what was taken from those people, what the devil stole from them, to give them, to allow them to rule and reign, right? Like, like Pastor Lau has been preaching. Notice who Jesus appeals to. Who does he appeal to? He, he's reading from Isaiah. He's, he's appealing to the poor. He's appealing to the oppressed. He's appealing to those who realize they are in bondage. Right? In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger now, before you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. In the Jesus told the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, right, the tax collector. The Pharisee went into the temple. He stood up at the front, raised his hands to heaven. Lord God, thank you that I'm righteous, that I'm not like these other sinners, that I give a tenth of everything. The publican stood at the back, didn't raise his head to heaven, beat his breast, and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, which one of these men went home justified before God. It wasn't the, the Pharisee. It was the publican. Because he had a need of God. Because of his need, he received from God. We must have a need. Jesus' appeal is not to those who say, hey, everything's hunky-dory. You know, I'm good. Everything's great. He didn't come to save those people. He said, I did not come to a doctor. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Right? I have not come to call the righteous or those who think themselves righteous, but I have come to to, uh, call sinners to repentance, those who acknowledge themselves as sinners. In order to receive from God, we must acknowledge our need of Him. In Revelation 3, Jesus says, he's talking to the church in Laodicea, and they're lukewarm, and he warns them. He says, you say, I'm rich. I I don't need a thing. But I tell you, you are pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to come before me, buy gold 
refined in the fire. Buy salve for your eyes so that you can see. Buy white linen so you can cover your nakedness. All these things are free. God's grace is free. But in order for us to access them, we need to humble ourselves. We cannot come to God Even after we've been a Christian many years and our life has changed, we cannot come to God in a prideful way or we won't receive from him. uh, In verses 22 and 23, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But wait. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. These people were incredulous. I'm an English literature major, so I like words. And then there's a a Latin word, uh, credere, and it means to believe or to trust. Credere. And then it's the basis of many English words. Actually, if you, if you have your kids study Latin and Greek roots, I promise you they will score very well on their SATs in the reading section because they will, they will understand the, you know, uh, a lot of vocabulary. Credit. Credit. Creed. Credible. Incredible. Something's... I don't believe it. It's so out of the ordinary that I don't believe it. Incredible. Credulous. Believing. We need to be credulous people. Believing when it comes to God. They were incredulous, the people in Nazareth, because they knew who Jesus was. They said, isn't his mother and his brothers and sisters here? Hey, didn't he install the windows frames in your house two years ago? They were incredulous. Where did this man get these words? See, Jesus, we want to see you do some miracles here. Then we will believe. We want to see before we will believe. But is that the Bible formula? Is that why Abraham was credited with righteousness? No. Abraham is called the father of our faith. Right? That's why it's good to read the Old Testament. You see the attitude of a man who is, who has said he is the father of our faith. We should be like him. We should have faith like him. But because he, just because he was a father of our faith, it doesn't mean he had no mind or he ignored his mind. He used his mind. He was he acknowledged realities of, of what what the situation was. The only thing that differentiates him from like you or me or, or, you know, atheist scientists, is that he also acknowledged the reality of God. See, I'll, I'll read to you uh, a couple, couple verses here. In Romans four nineteen to 21, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. God promised him a son. God promised to make him father of many nations, 
But by the time he was 100 years old, he didn't have any kid, but he held on to God's promise. But the Bible says he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He faced the fact that Sarah was about 80 years old. He said, I know that humanly speaking, in human terms, if I look at just the way things look, this is impossible. He didn't say, well, you know, there have been studies that, you know, if, if, you, if you do a certain thing, it might be possible for this. To, he said, no, it's impossible. Because my human reasoning tells me that this is impossible. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Yes, Abraham said, yeah, you know what? This is, this is the, the way things are. He's a realist. But the thing is, he took into account the reality of God's power, that God can do all things. <laughs> Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 17 to 19 says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, that only one son that God had promised him from, from Sarah, Isaac. God told him, go sacrifice Isaac. Uh, God stopped him. He didn't kill Isaac. It was a test of faith, okay? He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did. He did receive Isaac back from the dead. Abraham acknowledged reality. He, he wasn't like, uh, didn't come up like with some excuses to, well, you know, this is the way that that, that was. But he, he was very scientific in his outlook of the world. The only difference is that he acknowledged that God can do all things. Says the author of Hebrews says, by faith we believed that by God's word the universe was created. Right? By faith that God can do anything, that he can just speak. And then the creative power is there. So what, what, I, what I'm saying is that, um, you know, it's, it's not wrong to use reasoning. The people in Nazareth were using reasoning. It's not wrong to use reasoning, but our reasoning must be based on faith in God and his promises and obedience to God. Okay? In Luke 4, 24 to 27... Truly I tell you, he continued, a prophet, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. Yet when the sky, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zephyrath in the region of Sidon who wasn't even a, a Jew. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman, the Syrian, who is actually a commander in the Syrian army. What is God, what, what is Jesus saying to these people here? It helps if we know the, 
the story about Naaman and the widow in Zephyrath. Elijah was hiding in the cave from Jezebel. The ravens came and fed him, brought him, brought him food, bread, and, and meat. But then the well, I mean, the, uh, the brook dried up. And then God told him to go to Zephyrath. And he went there, and he saw that one woman gathering sticks to make a fire. And then he said, please, make a cake for me. Okay, like a, a little, maybe some bread. She, <laughs> oh, I make, I'm gathering these sticks to go home and bake a little something for my son and I, and then we're going to starve. And Elijah said, just go do it. She's like, hmm, something's different about this guy. I'm going to go do it. Take the, my last bit of food. I'm going to make a cake for him. The Bible says that the jar of oil and flour did not empty during the rest of the famine. She had faith that translated into action. How many of us say we have faith, but when it comes to giving our tithe or doing something for God, we're like, oh, (laughs) let me pray about it. Let me seek God's will. Is your faith translating into action? Is your action corresponding with your faith? Is your speech corresponding with your faith? That's why we watch our mouths, right? We don't say, oh, something's so terrible. This person's terrible. This is like, no, we speak good things. When we look at people in the church, we don't say, that person, blah, 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 blah. We say, God. You can change that person. When we look at ourselves, we don't say, oh, I'm not good, I'm not worthy, I'm not good for anything. We say, no, by, the, by Jesus, the power of Jesus, he can use me. He can use, I'm worthy of him. Naaman the Syrian, uh, he, he needed to be healed of leprosy. Nobody could heal him. They, the servant girl said, there's, there's a... There's a prophet in Israel who can heal. Go to Elisha. He went to Elisha. He's like, okay, Elisha, I'm here. Elisha said, go wash in the Jordan. Dip yourself seven times. He's like, what? I thought you were going to come out and like, be healed. You know, something. And so he, Naaman was upset. But his servant spoke, spoke uh, some, gave him some reasoning. He said, hey, you know what? If he told you to like, go climb Mount Ararat, you'd probably do it, right? This is... There's nothing. Go down to the Jordan. Dip yourself seven times. Naaman did it. He did it. At first, he wasn't going to do it, but he did it. He obeyed. He had the expectation of receiving from God, and he was healed. Why did Jesus tell these two examples to the people in Nazareth? Why? Because it showed the attitude that these people needed in order to receive from God. And we can learn the same thing. We can learn the example of these people, the attitude that we need to receive from God. I really believe that that's the the key to seeing God move. It's not just the skill of the preacher or the how wonderful the the worship is or how big your your building is. It's do you have faith? Do you have a desperation? Do you acknowledge your need of God? Do you, are you willing to press in, 
regardless of what people think, regardless of what you know, religious tradition tells you? Are you, you getting desperate? Are you desperate for the Lord? Do you want to see God move in your life? Do you want to continue to do things normal? Or do you want to see God move? Do you want to stay by the side of the road begging? Or are you willing to press in no matter what? Or you want to keep the bleeding in your, in your, in your body? Or are you willing to press in through the crowd? You know, the, the Bible message is very simple, but its standard is so high. The, the solution is not to bring God's standard down to our level, but to bring our faith up to the level of the Bible. I'm not asking you to take your brain out, lobotomy, and throw away half your brain. I'm asking you to believe in your heart and use your brain for the glory of God. Because you know that there is a God. That he can do all things. That he's a good God. You see his promises in his word. You take him at his word. He says, go into all nations. And I will be with you. Even until the very end of the age. Yes, Lord. I'm going to do it. The Christian life is, is, is not complicated, but it requires a lot of struggling and overcoming our own doubt in, in, in our life. Amen? Let's have a right... I'm sorry, it went too long. Let's have a right attitude to receive from God today. Amen? Amen. Don't let it stay up here, okay? I want you... you go, go home and, and, and read the book of Luke. Read the book of Luke again. See the attitude of people, the attitude that people have. I, I, I have my, my notes, five pages of notes. If you, if you want, I can email them to you. I can post them on, on our church's Facebook page. Do a Bible study yourself because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. Right? So, so, but don't let it stay up here. Bring it down into your heart level. Take Take a, a step of faith. Sow a seed of faith. That's what Oral Roberts said. He said a seed of faith. He, what he meant was a seed of faith is some action that you take. You kind of step out. You, you sow a seed of faith and then expect a miracle. You expect that God's going to do something. I want you to challenge each of you to take that step of faith, to sow that seed of faith this week. In something that God's been challenging you in your life, you step out in faith. It can be something just as simple as studying for your finals. But instead of doing it in your own strength, you acknowledge your need of God. You take that obedient step of faith and action, and you believe, God, I believe I've done what I can, but I still need your help. And I believe that you're going to do something. It can be something as simple as that. It doesn't have to be leprosy or, or something. It can be every day. We can walk in faith, walk in dependence on him, and receive the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, it's challenging. It's, uh, Lord, when we see that your standard of righteousness and faith in the Bible, Lord, we have to admit that we, we are far short of what you have called us to do, Lord what you've called us to, Father God. Father, but 
Lord, we, we desperately want to receive from you, Father God. Lord, we want to live a, an, unextor- I mean, an unordinary, extraordinary life, expecting miracles, the miraculous in our lives and every, every day, Lord. Father God, we humble ourselves. We acknowledge our need of you, Father. Lord, come and change us, Father God. Send your Holy Spirit on your people, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.